I think, you know, the, the design aspect for us is definitely a big challenge. And that's why also, you know, me and the team and um, then also the certain TI product lines who are then developing those chips, we are interfacing a lot with, with the end customers. So we are talking every day with many robotics customers around the world. And we are, we are really trying to get the requirements that they need for the, for the next generations and also understand what are the challenges that they are facing when they are designing in the TI devices and how can we simplify it, but also what, what are new features that we, for, for example, don't have right now that they need in the next generation. And then, um, you know, it comes at the end down to certain um, sets of features that we get from customers for a certain application. And um, then, of course, we are trying to combine that with the technologies we have internally and especially in millimeter wave radar for example there happened a lot of innovations also based on on customer feedback that we received so for example one big challenge for our customers in the past was to do the high frequency design for the antenna of the chip and um, that's why we are now offering devices that have this antenna integrated on the package that means all of this uh, tricky rf design which you need to do is then uh, done by us already on the package then um, I would say another thing that came from customers was the power requirements that they have. So meaning, especially in mobile applications, also when you have a very small housing for your chip, uh, that means you, you have only a certain power budget. And uh, so we came up with new devices that have a reduced power requirement so that it's, it's more efficient to use the chip in certain applications. So... It's always, I would say, the design for us, it's always a combination of um, evolving, you know, what's possible on a technology level for us. So we work a lot with our R&D teams to improve the capabilities of the semiconductor processes that we have. But then at the same time, also talking a lot with customers and really understanding what are the challenges that they are facing and how can our current and new devices meet those challenges in a better way. Hello everyone, I hope you're doing well and great. I'm so excited to share our partnership with Texas Instrument. And I'm also delighted to share the offering to giveaway in this episode. So if you're interested more about this giveaway, you can find more detail in the description below. Thank you so much, Texas Instrument, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. So, um... I'm a TI, so-called Robotic Systems Manager. That means um, me and the team, we are working on the system level with the TI customers on the worldwide basis. And uh, we are focusing on robotics applications and looking into how to use the different embedded and analog devices from TI in order to help customers uh, improving their robotics systems. And we are also looking a lot into what are the trends in the market and what are the future needs in robotics and they are trying to see how TI devices can help to meet uh, the challenges that our customers have here. 
So maybe before going with the details, I think everyone familiar with text instruments, especially I think in Andrew devices we have in the lab, but if you can give a little bit of yeah context about what TI do and before going to robotics, especially here, but yeah, what, what it actually does in electronics, maybe that's. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, TI is a large uh, global semiconductor company and uh, we produce um, or design um, chips that uh, make an impact in the world. And uh, TI has over 80,000 embedded and analog products in total. And we are focusing a lot on industrial and automotive applications with our devices. And um, yeah, I would say we have one of the broadest portfolio in the industry and they are constantly innovating with new solutions for industrial automotive applications and also for robotics applications. Mm -hmm. So how actually the ships here help in the robotic development? Maybe before going to that, I think it's, it would be great to mention I, the challenge in the robotic market when we have the, the brain and the body side. And I think here in text instrument, we focus on the brain side of the, of the robot here. But before going to the details of the ships and how this the, the chips help in the development. Maybe what are the challenges since you mentioned a trend and in the in the robotic market? Yeah, so I would say in general, right, if you think of a robot, there are a lot of different applications where robots can be used, right? It can be inside of the factory and outside of the factory. And a lot of the challenges that also our customers face when they design a robot are quite similar for any of these uh, robotics applications. So in general, I think the robot needs to meet uh, the right performance for the application. It needs to meet the right costs, and it also needs to be um, safe for the application. So, especially in areas where robots collaborate or collaborate with humans, the safety is definitely the most critical piece because without a safe robot, uh, it's basically not usable in any kind of use case. And then, I mean, outside of the safety, when that is solved, of course, the robot has to operate with a with a certain performance level in, in order to be effective in the application and it also has to be reliable so i think right now there's a lot of areas where robots are already able to fulfill a certain use case but uh, they are not able to do it at a certain reliability so that means maybe they can do it in 80 percent of the of the use cases but then in another 20 or 10 percent there still needs to be someone who who jumps in and makes uh, um, helps the robot to to solve it or there are certain use cases where a robot is not able to then um, work efficiently or certainly stops so making it work at the 100 of the use cases that's also a big challenge and that means what you mentioned right the brain of the robot is very important it means having the right software running on the robot having the right devices that can enable uh, local decision making on the edge is quite critical for that and um, then the, the last thing, right, is also you can build a robot for a certain application, but then you also need to meet the cost target of this, right? In order to, to install it in an application, you have certain limits where it's profitable to use the robot. And that comes down to the what, what does it cost you to build a robot or what does it cost your customer to buy and install the robot. And I think also here, there's a lot of... Um, development ongoing and also here semiconductors are quite critical because um, there's uh, for all of the functions that the robot is doing and all, all the all the certain movements it's doing it's at the end uh, semiconductors that are enabling this and um, then of course those semiconductors come at a certain cost and when you can optimize this 
also the amount of applications gets broader for the, for the robot. Maybe before going to the ships here and the semiconductors for robotic here, I want to ask you about the question, I think that's the frequent question about the cost and, and also how we can reduce the cost of the robot and we have the safety aspect, but maybe the biggest question in the room, the cost. From your experience, how do you envision the cost would go down? Is this mass production? The other factors like semiconductor, which I, I'm just curious, where do you see the cost would be down? Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing is definitely right with the, the certain volume of a robot, the cost go down, and that's uh, similar also when you buy semiconductors. Of course, those are uh, scalable products, so if you go into higher volumes, uh, traditionally the cost reduce, but then it's also a lot about just the system design of a robot. So, you know, there are certain architectures how you can build a robotic system. And these architectures, they also come with certain decisions. For example, where do you put your motor control? Where do you put the processing for the motor control? Where do you put your, your intelligence of the robot, right? The brain and what devices are you using for that? And um, when, when a robot is initially built, Usually those uh, designs are, I would say, on the on the high end, right? Because when you build an application, you in the beginning, you don't really know what's the exact processing power you need. So usually you start to over-design a little bit, right? So that means you pick, for example, a processor that has uh, more performance and uh, in this case is also more expensive. But then when you go into volume applications, right, and you go into mass production, then that's where you want to choose a device that can meet exactly the performance you need and that has all the features integrated that you need. And um, that's then a place where we also, STI, because we work a lot with customers who are making this jump from, let's say, a prototype into a mass production device, when they really need to pick uh, a partner on the, on the um, semiconductor level as well that can not only meet the requirements, but it can also meet the requirements at the right cost level. So um, I think this is a very important step in the design process. And then also when it comes to mass production and maybe one other aspect of this, I mentioned already about the functional safety. And also here, you know, functional safety is defined by certain safety standards. And those standards, they, they basically come from a notified body, but how you implement it at the end it gives you a certain flexibility. So um, a designer of a robot, he can choose, does he use, for example, two different devices and to meet a safety function, or does he also rely on a single device that has an integrated, um, uh, that has safety functions integrated on one chip. And that's also another um, um, option, how to reduce the cost. So for example, with TI, we have a lot of processors that come with certain safety certifications and also on-chip safety redundancy. And that's another way how a customer can effectively reduce the cost going from two redundant devices down to one single device that has the redundancy on the single chip. Mm -hmm. Interesting, it's just a quickly, redundancy here for the software, you mean in this context, right? It's, it's uh, not only redundancy on the software level, it's also redundancy on the hardware level. So basically you can imagine it like, um, yeah, you have you have um, two ways on the hardware, two two separate systems. So if one of these systems um, falls down or, or breaks in a certain way, you have uh, another secondary system that can pick up. And you you uh, traditional approach for this would be to use two fully separate 
MCUs with two fully separate kind of power supplies and analog peripherals, but uh, a more cost-effective way for this is, for example, to use a single MCU and then on this single MCU have implemented two certain domains that are doing this uh, redundancy on the, on the hardware level, on the one chip. And then at the same time, also, you can run this um, say, um, redundancy on a software level on, on one chip. Mm-hmm. For deep diving in the processor, for a listener may be interested in doing the robotic project, maybe prototype. Maybe quickly, can you mention uh, that like collaborator, the customers that are already using uh, the chips? Yeah. And I mean, I mentioned in the beginning, right, TI is a ve- uh, has a very broad portfolio. So over 80,000 devices that we are producing, right? And it's embedded and analog devices. And I think I'm, I cannot talk about uh, names of customers, but basically I would say every major robotic player I, I know is also using many of the TI devices and certain functions. And um, at the basis, you know, a robot uh, consists of motors that are spinning, right? And uh, motion control. And here, a lot of customers are relying on the TI motor controller devices. So we have dedicated um, um, DSPs for motor control called C2000. And we also have ARM core um, devices that use that. And many customers uh, are using those devices to control the different motors in a robot. And um, that can be quite low-end simple robots, right? Like vacuum robots or something like that. But it goes up to the really high-end, high-performance robots. So industrial robots that uh, can can carry um, payloads of uh, a few tons. So these uh, motor control devices are used a lot, but then also in all of the other functions like the main processing. Um, so high high performance processing TI is used in robots, especially in this um, use case where I mentioned also the functional safety. So for example, in, in mobile robots, TI is used um, also for the functional safety system within the mobile robot. So that means the processor is really taking care of measuring all of the signals that are coming in and then um, making the decision should the robot stop and also making sure that the robot stops safely when there's any um, distraction around or also when there's a certain failure within the robot detected. Then um, another big area is the communication. So uh, robot applications and robots are consisting of a lot of uh, real-time data that gets moved around, right? So you have different sensors around the robot or, or also within the robot that are giving you a real-time information like like um, vision pictures of, of your surrounding or also um, certain distance data to objects around. Then you also have different motors that you control within the robot and those all, all of this data has to be uh, somehow synchronized and moved in real time. And for that, um, a lot of customers are relying on TI's Ethernet files on our um, on our re- real-time um, interfaces, also on standard in the interface like CAN or RS485. So that's also something which is used in, in a lot of uh, robot applications. And then uh, the sensing piece itself, that's also something where TI is used a lot. So TI is offering millimeter wave radar so um, with millimeter wave radar you can give an alternative to um, vision so make the robot see the surrounding and also here um, there are already many customers that rely on millimeter wave in order to create navigation for a mobile robot or also in order to create 
zones around industrial robot work zones. So um, that's that's another use case where TI is used already a lot in robotics. Mm -hmm. Just to quickly, is this only indoor application we're speaking here, right? It's not only indoor application, so it's also outdoor application. So um, for example, um, I mean, mobile robots, right? They can um, be um, used in many different scenarios outdoors. Um, so one one big use case is, for example, lawn mowing. And on the lawn mowers, uh, maybe you know it traditionally, when you bought a lawn mower, you had to put uh, something like a metal wire around your garden, and your robot had a certain sensing system in order to detect where's the edge of your garden. But um, a more interesting way to do it, because you don't have to dig this um, wire within your garden, is uh, to use millimeter wave and create basically a map of your garden. And uh, with that, using uh, just um, millimeter wave radar in order to navigate through your garden. And um, it comes at a certain additional benefit because millimeter wave can, for example, also detect smaller objects within the grass. So, uh, for example, one, one thing is to detect hedgehogs or other animals within the grass and then, of course, stop your lawnmower and instead of going um, over the animal. So that's also something where this uh, sensor technology can be used outdoors and also create additional value for a customer developing with it. But maybe I'm curious about the chip here, about the maybe, I think it's not me, this question, not robotics specifically, but maybe electronics perspective about the design consideration to combine the cost and safety and this functionality of speed, all this in one single chip. Can you tell me just iteration, not just maybe in high level, what will maybe the most significant parameter here to meet the demand to make this like prototype to understand use cases? What What is the most important factor significant in the design of the ships here? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the, the design aspect for us is definitely a big challenge. And that's why also, you know, me and the team and um, then also the certain TI product lines who are then developing those chips, we are interfacing a lot with, with the end customers. So we are talking every day with many robotics customers around the world. And we are, we are really trying to get the requirements that they need for the, for the next generations and also understand what are the challenges that they are facing when they are designing in the TI devices and how can we simplify it, but also what, what are new features that we, for, for example, don't have right now that they need in the next generation. And then, um, you know, it comes at the end down to certain um, sets of features that we get from customers for a certain application. And um, then, of course, we are trying to combine that with the technologies we have internally and especially in millimeter wave radar, for example. There happened a lot of innovations also based on, on customer feedback that we received. So, for example, one big challenge for our customers in the past was to do the high-frequency design for the antenna of the chip. And um, that's why we are now offering devices that have this antenna integrated on the package. That means all of this uh, tricky RF design, which you need to do, is then uh, done by us already on the package. Then um, I would say another thing that came from customers was the power requirements that they have. So meaning, especially in mobile applications, so also when you have a very small housing for your chip, uh, that means you, you have only a certain power budget. And uh, so we came up with new devices that have a reduced power requirement so that it's, it's more efficient to use the chip in certain applications. So 
it's always, I would say, the design for us, it's always a combination of um, uh, evolving, you know, what's possible on a technology level for us. So we work a lot with our R&D teams to improve the capabilities of the semiconductor processes that we have. But then at the same time, also talking a lot with customers and really understanding what are the challenges that they are facing and how can our current and new devices meet those challenges uh, in a better way. Yeah, maybe the next question about the hardware, the chip and the software. But before that, maybe I don't know if you can answer that question about the logic, how it happened, the processing inside the chip. We discussed in the podcast sometime with the neuromorphic chip, for example, as a futuristic thing. But do you think like the future of the ships like resemble a human brain or something? Or this is out of discussion recently. I'm, I'm just curious about the architecture here. Um, yeah, I, I would say probably resemble a human brain is I'm I'm not too familiar with it, but I mean, what what is the big uh, thing that is done right now? Right, is um, the whole um, AI processing, so um, or machine learning and AI processing on the chip, and that's a place where semiconductors have also a very crucial role um, or a crucial place to meet this. So it means, um, I mean. AI or machine learning programs on itself, right? They somehow replicate the learning process that also a human brain somehow undergoes. But on the lower level, this requires a lot of processing power, especially when you do this processing on standard hardware. So uh, what uh, TI is doing, we are investing a lot into um, hardware accelerators on the chip and also many of these um, new devices, so many of our new processors but also other devices have these hardware accelerators and this um, is enabling um, um, better uh, processing performance and also faster execution of those machine learning algorithms. And um, this is something which is uh, quite important also for robotics because um, at the end, you know, this whole decision-making that a robot needs to do, it is uh, in, in many cases also relying on machine learning or artificial intelligence models that are running on the hardware. And if you can run this more efficiently, you can, uh, of course, optimize the power levels of, of the robot and with that also the, the um, use cases that a robot can do. So since I close the end, I have a few questions. Maybe the first one about the software and the hardware. How do you see the... Sometimes when we work with the hardware, it's quite challenging the software aspect of the hardware. I don't know, do you see the interplay of the development and the hardware and software? So uh, you mean how, how this goes uh, together, hardware and software? or? Yeah, because sometimes, it's, sometimes to be honest, it's not straightforward uh, to, to deal with software of a hardware of machine. It's, it's another challenge, I, I, that's my opinion, but I'm, I'm not sure how it goes yet when you upgrade the chip, for example, how the software, is it like generic design or it have to be tailored for the chip? That's my, I think, my question here about how they go together. So, I mean, you know, in, in general, I think uh, certain chips um, run with uh, very um, specific software on the chip. But um, if you look, for example, at TI, especially our our embedded portfolio, our processors. So what, what we offer is basically a unified SDK, so a unified software development kit that can run no matter which uh, chip you are using. And... This offers a lot of um, scalability in terms of the performance level. That means, you know, if you want to go from your development, uh, from your software development to a lower end device, you don't have to uh, rewrite all of your code and use a different 
a development environment you can you can just reuse that code on a on a lower end device and same for the higher end and uh, i think that's a, a quite good benefit of using a very broad um semiconductor company that has a, a big scale in the portfolio is that at a certain stage when you when you notice you are run out of uh, processing power on the hardware side you can jump to a higher performing device but at uh, the same time when you have um, still room on on your application for performance meaning you 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 have a device that is a little bit oversized you can also move to a lower end uh, device and uh, by that uh, save cost so um we we try to make it easy for our customers to use the hardware and the um, the software together so giving a basically a unified a development experience across the portfolio and it's also something i think which is a is a good benefit because i mean of course, at the beginning, you don't always know what's the exact hardware power you need, or maybe also you you come across a few peripherals that uh, the device you are using right now is not having. And uh, then when there's a big portfolio, there's a good chance that there's a different device within that uh, same family that probably has this peripherals or that has this um, performance ban uh, upgrade that you need. Maybe the question here about is there something is still a challenging for semiconductor chip here for robotic application? I don't know. Something coming across still a challenge. You mentioned you talked to the team and everyone took into customer needs and what expectation. But is it something still, generally speaking, robotics is still, there's a trade-off. Like, how to solve that? I'm not sure what kind of thing is like if you encounter. Yeah. I mean, in general, I think we are start just at the start, right, to see robots used in, in factories, but also in the daily life. So I think there's still a lot of challenges that um, need to be solved in order to to realize the full potential of robotics. And I think working with customers right now is quite exciting because you really um, get, uh, get to know what are these challenges and help to solve them. And I, I think one big challenge is, is definitely the, the safety aspect, right? To make a, a I mean, in order to make the collaboration with humans quite easy of a robot, it has to be really be 100% safe, right? And this is especially important in the factory where robots can lift a lot of payload, right? Tons of, of kilos. And um, they are making it um, possible to have robots work really close and efficiently with humans. That's uh, still a big challenge. So if you go into a factory right now, you will see still a lot of times that uh, the robots are basically hidden behind the cage, right? Because that's the only way they can be really fast. And even those more modern robots, the collaborative robots, they come with um, a lot of more safety features. So a customer that wants to sell a collaborative robot, he has to fulfill a lot of certification, but uh, still then installing it in, in a factory and make it work really close with humans. There are a lot of challenges that uh, someone who's installing this robot has to has to solve so that means often you are still not able to realize 100 of the potential of this robot right so it can work usually much faster than it's used at the end just uh, because the safety um, the safety goals are quite strict and um, so there's still a lot of room for innovation in here to make this um, work more efficiently and better and um, when you look at uh, TI technologies for that, I mean, one thing is again, the motor control aspect, right? So I mentioned um, TI has a specific dedicated motor control SOCs and um, 
these uh, motor control SOCs, so for example, the C2000 family from TI, they are coming also with certain on-ship uh, safety functionalities and uh, those devices, they are combining real-time communication, functional safety and motor control. And um, that means at the end in an application, you can control the motors very, very precise and fast. But at the same time with this um, adder of the functional safety, you can also stop them very fast. And that then the faster you can stop, the closer a human can get, right? And also the finer you can control the motion and the torque, the easier it is to uh, make a robot safer, right? Because uh, then you can really control finally how smooth the motion of the robot is and how, how fast it, it stops. Um, another area, for example, for this collaboration between human and robots is also the sensing piece, right? So millimeter wave I already talked about a little bit. And um, I think I mentioned already those safety zones around a robot, right? So um, for collaboration, of course, you don't want to have a fence around a robotic application. You are just using then certain sensing equipment in order to really see what's approaching it. And so detect an object, is it a human? Is it another robot? Is it, I don't know, any kind of workpiece that's coming close? And then, for example, just really stopping your application or slowing it down when there's really a, a dangerous situation or when there's a human coming close to the robot. So so this uh, millimeter wave sensing or also vision uh, sensors for that application are, are something which will also offer in the future benefits in terms of the collaboration. And um, yeah, then maybe one other example is just the processing as well. right? So it, it's uh, still about this um, decision-making of, of a robot, right? So can it really detect um, a certain function in every kind of um, in every kind of scenario? So, I mean, there are many applications where robots need to make decisions themselves, right? Because you cannot hard-code it. So for example, pick and place is an example, right? When you have a box and you have many screws inside of this box, right? a, a robot needs to really understand how can I pick, for example, the screw how is it lying? Where do I pick it? And how do I move it somewhere else? And um, <clears throat> this um, needs a lot of, um, uh, this needs a good vision sensor and then a lot of processing, right? Calculating the path, understanding really how to pick it and making this working at 100% of the use cases, not only in like 80 or 85 or 90. That's a big challenge. And um, I think the more the processing advances and also the better our algorithms are getting, the more use cases can be automated with robots. So it's a question uh, left here. Maybe the next trend, when when you see the future of the thing is like creating a new trend or what is the next thing? When you see the market now, what you can envision like futuristic thing is or the next thing. Can you tell exactly your predictions? Yeah, I mean, so... I would say, you know, the industrial robots itself, right? So these big, heavy payload robots, they were there like already, I think some of them, they were installed before I was born, right? 50, 50 years ago or, or longer term, right? So robotics itself, it's not new, right? But then over the, over the time, those robots became smarter, they became faster, they became more efficient and they came at a better cost structure. So that's en enabled them to be used in more areas in a factory. And I think right now we are in a place where when you go into a modern, I don't know, car factory or something, you will find tons of those robots already, right? So the the thing that is just now starting to getting deployed, I would say, is the collaborative robots. And that means 
uh, those smaller lightweight robot arms that are really automating repetitive tasks. And I think that's something over the next few years, it will be really uh, something which is implemented in factories and making them more efficient, faster, more flexible. And at the same time here, it's also um, mobile robotics, which is coming up more. So mobile platforms moving around, maybe also en enabling you know different ways how factories are built, right? Not building them with one conveyor belt where the stuff is moving around, maybe letting pieces flow around just with a mobile robot that carries it somewhere else. So these are things which I think really in the close future will be standard. And I think some of the modern factories they are already relying on those uh, robotic systems. And then I think if you look further out, one one thing where right now a lot of development is happening, I think, is this whole humanoid robotics. So I think you you probably already seen certain big companies who released uh, first prototypes. And um, I think this is something which will which is just right now I would say in the in the starting position, right? So it, it's the first developments are, are done, the first prototypes are done, and everyone tries to see what's what's possible with it. But then with the advancement of, of sensing technology, of processing, and then also with um, kind of um, higher volumes of these uh, robots, I think this will be something which probably starts to be deployed, you know, also just in the industrial environment first. But then on the longer term, I think there's use cases for those robots in, in almost every sector and, and in eventually even later on in, in the home place. And so there's... That's, I think this humanoid robotics and service robotics, that's a field where we are just seeing this, the start of it. Mm -hmm. Great. Maybe the last question about education, because I, I already in text assessment, we see a lot of courses and for people want to start robotics. So if anyone listening want to start learning kind of kits or something, can we start with as a, a starting point to build yeah, a prototype at your home? Yeah. So... Um, I would say in in order to start a development, I, I think usually you you probably start with a, with a processing piece, right? So using a certain MCU or a certain processor and starting to develop on it. Um, we have a lot of um, examples on on our ti.com uh, robotics page. So if you type in the browser ti.com/robotics, you'll find um, a good overview of of um, the different TI technologies that can be used. And then, um, you know, we have a few quite interesting community solutions as well for, for, for um, especially for developing processing solutions. So, for example, the BeagleBone AI board, which is a good uh, starting solution to develop interesting robotics applications where you can uh, use um, ROS, ROS2 um, as, a, as a development solution. So, I think this is a, is a good starting point and then basically for Every TI processor, we have um, we have an um, EVM or evaluation board that can be used. And then for certain devices, there's also a development community like the Beagle board community that I mentioned. So I think this is a good place to get started with a, with a robotics development. So I don't know if you have any final words you would like to say for people listening. Many final words, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, so first of all, Thanks a lot for the invitation to, to this. But uh, then I think also, yeah, robotics in general, it's a quite exciting field to work with. And also for the engineers, I think it's it's very exciting to work and develop new ideas, create new applications with robotics. And I think here, right, um, 
probably keeping in mind from the start of the development to choose a partner that is not only good for initial prototype or for certain tests, but also that can uh, work well when you want to go with your application into a, a production environment and when you want to scale to higher volumes. I think that's that's a very important um, aspect for engineers and developers to keep in mind. And um, here I would say robotics uh, is for TI a very big and important factor. We are investing a lot into new solutions here. And I think we have also very exciting stuff coming up in the next few years. So I think we we can be a very good partner for those developments for for the initial development, but then also going really into professional applications, higher volumes and production. 